and welcome to Love and Lust. Love and Lust is a podcast about sex and relationships. My name is Anna Lefebvre. Viewing discretion is definitely, definitely, definitely advised. Love and Lust. discretion is definitely, definitely, definitely advice. So today's guest um, is the beautiful Lady Bird. She is an activist for HIV, right? Mm-hmm. Yes. And um, so here's something that's just like very, I don't want to say like the, the timing was just so right. Okay. So I was thinking to myself about my the show, Love and Lust. I think about the show all the time. And I was um, having a conversation with somebody and someone was asking uh, me if I had the COVID vaccination. Now, the whole, that whole entire thing is like another a certain subject for me. Like, I don't feel like people should have to tell people about that or whatever. But in my head, I'm like, wow, wow. We ask people more about the COVID vaccination than we ask people about, oh, did you get tested before we go and like, you know, have sex with somebody? So I was thinking about this to myself and my business partner contacted me and told me about you and told you a little bit about your story. But the fun, the thing was, it was like within the same day that this all happened. So, you know, the timing was just everything. I know we were supposed to meet. This is such an important topic. I know a lot of times I do a lot of comedic stuff, but this is nothing that's funny. This is something that everyone needs to talk about. This is something that everyone, everyone needs to hear your mother, your father, your sister, your brother, everybody. So I'm going to go ahead and let you know, I mean, let you tell your story because I actually haven't heard it from you. I heard, you know, bits of it. Um, I know you're on Clubhouse and everything like that. Um, So I'm just going to, you know, give you the floor. All right. So uh, 2003, I was pregnant with my oldest daughter. Okay. And we, um, it was probably like Labor Day weekend. And we went to kind of a family gathering and there was this guy, like, here I am, <laughs> nine months pregnant. There's this guy and he walks up, you know, behind me. Cause you know, from behind, you really can't tell if somebody's pregnant. So when I turned around, he was like, whoa, you know? Um, and from that day, we became friends, you know, uh, for the next three years, we were friends. And around 2000 and five, we decided to start dating and having a relationship. Um, at the time he lived in South Carolina, I lived here in Florida. And so um, it was long distance. He would come here. His mom lives here. So he would travel back and forth to see her when he had time off from work and see me as well. And so um, we just, you know, as time moved on, we kind of just had this conversation about marriage. He had already been married before. At the time I was 24 and, um, you know, I had, well, I was probably 23 then. I hadn't turned 24 yet. 
So I was like 23. He was like 36. Older guy. Always dated older men. Don't ask me why. (laughs) (laughs) Um, But he, um, you know, we had the conversation and we said, okay, well, what do you think about marriage? And it was just one of those mutual things. Yeah, let's get married, you know. And because I felt like this is my best friend. I felt like I knew everything about him. I felt like there were no secrets, nothing. You know, I knew his whole family. He knew my whole family. Um, I knew, you know, I, it was just, it just felt right. And so we set a date for August 4, 2007. Now I moved to South Carolina with him prior to getting married because I'm like, you know, this is new to me. He, you know, of course he's been married before, have kids from his previous marriage. Here I was coming into something new. So I'm like, I definitely wanted to have that living before marriage situation. And so that December of 2006, I moved to South Carolina. So all the way up until the wedding, August 7th, um, August um, 2007, we were living together. And before the wedding, because I was a phlebotomist and a medical assistant, every year I already went and got my um, labs done for um, HIV, and, you know, just whenever I did my yearly physical, I just had everything done because, you know, I'm, 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 have, I have a high tolerance for pain. So if I was to get stuck by a needle, I might not even feel it, you know. Um, so I just always took that precaution to go and get tested, you know, when I did my yearly physicals. And that time, that year, I told him, I said, well, since we're getting married, we're going to have, you know, we're going to be a family. Let's go ahead and schedule a new patient appointment for me at your primary care physician so that, you know, I can get established as a patient. He can know who I am to you, things like that. So we scheduled the appointment. We were also going to get tested because I told him, I said, well, let's just go ahead and do all this now before marriage. Now, Florida doesn't require you to get um, STD testing prior to marriage. South Carolina does, but we were getting married in Florida. So it really didn't matter, but I am who I am. So I wanted it. And like I say, we were best friends. So we're at the doctor's office and we go into two separate rooms. So I know I'm in the room, I'm getting tested. So in my head, I'm assuming he's in a room with the doctor, he's getting tested too. Okay. So we come back together in front of the doctor, um, you know, when our results come back and we let each other know, cause we, we say, okay, we'll sit in front of the doctor and we'll tell each other our results. And we both told each other we were negative. Now, because I trusted him, we're sitting in front of the doctor. I never asked to see a paper. He never asked to see a paper for me. It was just something that because the trust was there. So we go ahead and proceed with the wedding. Um, A couple days before the wedding, we came into Jacksonville. We got into Florida and got to his mom's house. His mom pulls me outside into her garage and she says to me, "Um, has he ever said anything to you about HIV? And I'm just looking at her like, what in the heck is she talking about? And so she's like, well, just go ask him about HIV. Like she didn't say any, that was the her exact words. Go ask him about HIV. And so I'm the type of person, I don't like he say, she say, if you add telling me to go ask somebody something, okay, you wait right there. I went and got him and I brought him face to face with her. And I say, why is your mom telling me to ask you about HIV? And he, he looked at his mom like, he looked at his mom, he looked at her like, I don't know what she's talking about. 
Like, this is what he said in front of his mom. He's like, I don't know what she's talking about. I don't know why she's telling me to ask this. And his mom just stood there, didn't open her mouth, didn't part of lips, didn't say anything. So, of course, two days later, we get married. Um, our wedding night was the first time we had ever had unprotected sex. You know, anytime we had sex prior to getting married, a condom was used. And so um, I found out I was pregnant October. After, right after we got married, I found out I was pregnant. So I did what I'm supposed to do. I called, made a prenatal appointment, went in for my prenatal labs. And before my appointment was gonna happen, which it was gonna happen that Monday after that Thanksgiving, um, I started getting real sick, nauseous, throwing up, all pregnancy related. Um, so at that point they said, well, just come on in and, cause I got dehydrated. So they had this whole setup, you know, typically you might go to the ER or something. No, they had it all set up. So he takes me, I go into this little room. It's the day before Thanksgiving. So it's November 21st, 2007. I'm sitting in this little room. So picture this little room with gray, dull painting. You can smell the IV fluids going, you know, in, in, in you. And the doctor comes in and she says, um, can, I just want to ask him, can he step out of the room for me? And I didn't think anything of it because sometimes, you know, doctors want to talk to their patients alone. And so she says, well, I got your last back. Everything looks okay except one thing. And I'm assuming she's going to tell me something about my diabetes because I had diabetes with my oldest daughter. Didn't think anything, you know, other than that. And she was like, no, actually your glucose looks fine. And she then that's when she says, well, um, your last came back and said you're HIV positive. And so she said to me, she said, uh, do you want me to tell your husband or you want to tell him? I said, well, you can tell him. I said, bring him back in the room and you tell him. I said, because if you're telling me I'm HIV positive, he is the reason why I'm HIV positive. And so she brought him back into the room. She told him he wasn't shocked. He didn't look crazy. He didn't have, you know, somebody, somebody probably would have went irate. None of that. He was just like, oh, we'll get through this. We'll work this out. That was that. My appointment was finished. We got in the car. As soon as we got in the car, the first thing he said to me was, don't tell anyone. And that right there was the confirmation for me that let me know he already knew that this was going to be a possibility of me, you know, getting this from him. And so for the first couple of weeks, I didn't. I didn't tell anyone. My mom was there for visiting for Thanksgiving, her and my aunt. And I just went in the room and closed the door and locked the door. Didn't say anything to anybody. And at the time I was working a third shift job. So I'm driving to work and it just hit me. It hit me hard. I'm driving, I'm crying. And I, I couldn't think of anything to do with call my mom. Finally, I call her I, and she's, you know, I'm crying. So she's thinking something's wrong. And I, I just had to really just get myself together and tell her. Um, and once I told her, we went through this whole crying spell with her and she said, well, what are you going to do? So what I did that December, I said, well, I just need space. So I came back to Florida for most of December. I came back to Florida. I didn't go back to South Carolina until two days after Christmas. Um, when I went back two days after Christmas, his sister was there because we had paid for her to come and visit for Christmas. Like <laughs> we were gonna have this big family Christmas with his sister, all this stuff. And I wasn't there. And um, so 
I just went through all the emotions. Like think of every emotion. If, if there was a book of nothing but emotions, I went through every single one. Um, and we were in a car one day. And think about it. This is a very short time frame. So say December 27th to New Year's Day. We went to the store and I'm driving. I'm, the per- I'm like, I see all the crazy stuff when I'm driving. Like I might see somebody tripping and falling. Like I just see all kinds of stuff. So I just start laughing and he looks over at me. He's like looking around. Well, what'd you see? What's so funny? I was like, oh, I just thought of a new way to kill you today. So I knew when I, my mind got to that point, oh, it's time to go. I got to go. And so I had a friend that lived there, my cousin. And I said, listen, this is what's going on. This is the situation. Cause nobody knew still, but my mom. I said, I need you guys to come and help me pack all of my stuff. So while he went back to work New Year's Day, I was there packing up everything. Again, I'm still pregnant, packing up everything. They're helping me pack up stuff, whatever I couldn't take back to Florida in my SUV. It stayed at my friend's house. I came back and got a later date. Um, So she told me, she was like, don't get on the road and drive now. Just wait till the morning. So I'm, I'm like, okay, when he walk in the house, <laughs> when he walks in the house, he is going to see literally everything going because what I did was whatever I came into that marriage with, I left with it. The whole bedroom suit, gone. <laughs> everything, the pots, pans, whatever it was, it was gone. So I knew when he walked in, he was going to see things gone and my phone was going to ring and he called. So I'm thinking, okay, he's, you know, he's still telling me he loved me, he cared, he's sorry, blah, blah, you know, not even really he's sorry, just being real sympathetic. And I'm thinking that's where he's going to go. He's like, well, why didn't you leave me something to cook with in the oven? Like, really? That's what you're worrying about? So I was just like, you know what? I'm done. So got back to Florida. Now it's 2008. Um, I'm, I'm at my, my parents' house. And my aunt calls me. She's like, turn the news on, turn the news on. I'm like, what? So there was a case where um, there was a homosexual couple. The older man had knowingly infected the younger guy. Um, Didn't disclose his status. He got sentenced to five years in prison in the state of Florida. That's the maximum sentence. And so my aunt was like, that's what just happened to you. And I was like, well, I'm married, so it probably don't even matter. And she was like, no, you need to call, you need to call. And so I called the sheriff's office, talked to the uh, detective in the sex crimes unit, explained to him the situation. And he said, it does not matter if you're married or not. If he did not tell you before any sexual encounter you had. So basically the first time we had sex was in Florida. Any any sexual contact I had prior to knowing, it was against the law. And so, he said, we're going to investigate. I gave them all the information I knew. Um, they got his um, name, his birthday. Because there's a like there's a nationwide database. All they got to do is put your name in. And it's going to tell them if you've ever had any type of STD that would have got reported to the health department or is in a health department's database. So they were able to pull his name up and see when he was diagnosed. Because more, more than likely, if you're in the database, you know unless for some reason, and they'll notate if they're not able to locate you. So he was located, he was told, because he got diagnosed while he was in the hospital. And so they took that information, they issued a nationwide warrant for his arrest. 
Um, and then also because they needed something that was going to be solid and stick, I had to um, allow them to record my conversation with him, um, with him basically admitting and saying that, yeah, he knew he had it, you know, and at this point he was ready for me to come home. So I say, well, what do you all want to know? What questions? They gave me all the questions. I called him on three way and I told him, I said, well, hey, you know, look, I got to go see a psychologist. They, they're asking me these questions. I don't know these questions because you won't tell me the answer because he wants me to come home. At this point, he's telling me everything I want to know. Now I've asked him prior these same questions he would never tell me, but because he wants me to come home, he tells me. And so I, um, you know, I asked him these questions. He tells me when he was diagnosed, how, um, how he found out. So he actually was diagnosed the year before I met him. He was diagnosed August of 2002, before I had ever met him in my whole life. Um, so even through our friendship, prior to us dating and being in a relationship, he was already positive. And that's why I felt like my trust was so betrayed because I would, I felt like you were my best friend. I, this is something I should have known. You should have gave me a choice and an option, you know? And so when he's telling me all this stuff, of course I'm furious, but I got to keep my composure. So once we answer, get all the questions answered, I hang up the phone, the detective said he got it. Um, they issued that warrant. They went and arrested him. And of course, now keep in mind, his mom before the wedding told me to go ask him these questions about HIV. So in the midst of him get arrested, she actually literally bailed him out of jail twice. You know your son is guilty, but you still, you know, went through the whole motions of being the good mom. And so um, eventually he pled guilty. Um, they extradited him from South Carolina to Florida. Um, he was sentenced to the max five years. He served four years. They gave him six months served plus six months good behavior. So he was released in March of 2012. Um, now with my pregnancy, um, I ended up finding out the reason why I was so sick and dehydrated was because I was pregnant with twins. Um, so my twins through that whole situation, because remember I left pregnant, um, February, Valentine's Day of 2008 is when they got to record a confession. My twins were born twi at 23 weeks in March. So their birthdays are ready to come up. They'll be 13 years old, March 22nd. Mm -hmm. And so, um, they're negative. Okay. Um, thankfully, they are negative. Um, but so that whole stress, that's why my, my water broke. I was on bed rest and my water broke because it was everything was stressed. Um, you know, and once they were born, they were in the hospital. My son was in there almost nine months. Um, my twin girl was in there three months. And then I'm still back and forth going to the court once they finally sentenced him. Um, I filed for divorce while he was incarcerated. Um, once he was out, you know, even to this day, he, he pays child support. Um, we at one point were speaking cordially, but he is a man and a man does not change their stripes. And he literally was still trying to make certain type of advances at me. Now, through this whole situation, what I found out because I'm the type of person, I know for a fact, if you did this to me, I knew people he dated prior to me. So in my head, I'm like, okay, I can't be the only one. So during that time of me leaving and going away in that December, coming back and then getting to Florida that January, I got the call offs 
because you know at the time back in the day they send you an envelope this thick with the call log and so i called and um I, I mean i went through the call log and i called every single number i didn't know and i let them know hey i'm such and such wife um i'm just calling you to see if if at any point you've ever had a sexual relationship with him because if you had you need to go and get tested he's hiv positive and i'm his wife and he's infected me with hiv and during that phone call i spoke to a man um so he was having sex with a man to this day he will not confirm or deny you know um we've had we've sat down and had like a two to three hour conversation about the whole situation um still not getting a whole lot of answers out of him things that i really wanted to know but while i was away that december a woman was having his baby um that woman was diagnosed and her baby was diagnosed and when i found out about her initially again i was not there so i couldn't just go drive to this lady house because if i was there i would have my mom then literally had to stop me from getting on the road <laughs> to drive five hours to go to this lady's door because i was prepared to do that but i i made him go to her house with me on the phone and i made him give her the phone i say when she opened the door don't say don't you open your mouth you hand her the phone and i told her everything then and her words to me were well, he told me that I might as well stay with him because now that I'm positive, nobody's ever gonna want me. I said, well, he told me the same thing and guess what, I left. I said, so if you stay with him, you just stupid. And to this day, she's still with him. That's who he lives with, you know? Um, and his family acknowledges that child. They do not acknowledge my twins because I had him put in jail. His mom has only seen my kids. Um, at a funeral <laughs> when one of my relatives died because she knows other people in my family that's the only time she's ever seen or pictures um but yeah that whole situation it was just so much and then come to find out because where he worked so he worked at bmw manufacturing in south carolina um five years he has slept with many people in those five years so when he got arrested and his face was shown on the news, like the early morning news, when the first shift is coming in, the third shift is leaving, everybody's seeing his face in the break room on the TV and all hell broke loose. And see with, with BMW, the way they're set up, say if you get injured while you're working on the line or something, they don't send you off the campus to the hospital. They have a medic unit there. I got a call from one of my friends that worked there and she was like, girl, what is going on? She, I was like, what, what you mean? She was like, he was on the news this morning. And she was like, girl, that line at the medic alone. She's like, what you mean alone? So it comes out to where he's possibly um, indirectly or directly infected, you know, affected or could potentially infected over a hundred people. Wow. And I was like, what? Um, and even in that ordeal, a lady ended up getting her life taken because of him. Um, she was one of his supervisors and they dated. She didn't know she was infected until she saw his face on the TV. And she went and got tested. 
at this point she's in a relationship with the guy um she went and got tested found out she was hiv positive she stopped going to work she went into depression she stopped talking to the guy she was dating the guy could not understand why and then somehow he found out why he found out because she had tested positive because she had to finally tell him the health department contacted him and he could not take it because she would not talk to him and he waited for her to back out of her driveway one day on the way to work and as she's backing out he's on the side of her house waiting for her and he shot her straight through the windshield two times in the chest one time in the head all because of my ex-husband and um it was just so much that came out it's like you know how they say you know everything that's in the dark will come to light everything yeah, like yeah. it was so bright i was like oh like i'm like oh shit like is this really happening like is this like i felt like for the longest i felt like everything was just so surreal only re literally only recently have i found who i was because for for 10 years i was doing nothing but hiv, HIV advocacy stuff. that's all i did i was ladybird that's all i knew from 24 to 34 that's all i knew so when I finally took a step back, I found, okay, let me go find Renee. Let me find her. Let me find what I really love to do, what, I, what I'm passionate about, that type of stuff. And, you know, it, it, it really showed me a lot about myself because people always say, oh, you're strong, you're this, you're that, and the other. And I just be like, you know, I'm sitting there like, oh, well, thank you. You know, not really over the top with it because I'm not seeing it. But then once I was able to take myself out of that, and I'm sitting there, I'm looking, I'm like, wait a minute. These people really, like when I'm going off of social media, people are literally looking for me. <laughs> like, are you okay? What's going on? Um, but yeah, so I thank you for, um, you know, giving me this opportunity to share this story. You know, it's... <laughs> it's a, a deep, deep story. And I really appreciate you and love you for sharing this because like I was saying, it's such an important thing to talk about I talk about on the show about, you know, being free and being open, but this is a part of it. Asking somebody and being accountable. I got tested just a couple of days ago, or actually last week. I got tested, tested beginning of last week. So it's super important, but yet we don't talk about it and we don't do it. Now, right. can I ask what is the biggest like change in your life since this all, you know, happened? Um, the biggest change for me is just, I've never been a medicine person, never. Like I'll, I'll get a cold or I'll have sinus issues and I'll just deal with it. <laughs> you know, if I got a fever, guess what? My body's supposed to get a fever. It's doing what it's supposed to do. So now it's the point of, I have to take medicine every single day. Mm. If I miss a dose, I'm putting myself at risk. Not to say that I haven't. I've had moments where I've been not compliant for a year, year and a half. This year, uh, last year made 13 years. So, you know, in 13 years, I've had moments where I wasn't taking my medicine. And I did go to the doctor with the fear of this HIV diagnosis might turn into an AIDS diagnosis. You know, because if you don't take your medicine, your, your, your body can go into an AIDS diagnosis. And so that was the big fear for me. But it's just like, you know, taking medicine every day, I hate it, but I have to do it you know yeah. um another question um 
What is the difference between, um, just let the viewers know, what's the difference between HIV and AIDS? So HIV is basically a virus, just what it says. Um, the human immunodeficiency virus. It's just a virus. Um, it attacks your white blood cells. That's the main thing it does. Um, and with AIDS, basically AIDS is when your white blood cell count is so high that it's not able to fight off infection. So AIDS is acquired immunodeficiency syndrome. So if you think about a syndrome, that's something that you get. So you don't necessarily, when, when you hear people say they die from AIDS, they're not dying from an actual anything. They're actually dying from their body not being able to fight off any opportunistic infections like pneumonia, the flu, um, skin cancers, because you can also get what's called um, KS sores um, that look like big lesions. You can get okay. stuff like that. And so that's really the difference. People always think, you know, you can catch AIDS. I'm like, you can't catch AIDS. You don't get AIDS. AIDS is not a, anything. It's just a syndrome. The HIV virus is what attacks your body and your blood cells. Because what it does is it goes into your red blood cells and it's going to make a copy of itself. So say you got a red blood cell, it goes into it. It's going to sit there and it's going to wait for another red blood cell to get close enough that it's going to send the HIV to that one. And it's going to make a copy. And that's what it does. Okay. Yeah. And it just keeps going. It just keeps going and going. And that's what makes it take over, you know, the, the white blood, the blood cells. What is your advice for anyone that's going into a new relationship? Not even just anyone that's having sex. What is your advice to like ask the person? Because for some reason, we're all just so uncomfortable with talking about this. But what, what should people do to stop the spread of AIDS and HIV? And um, I mean, don't be afraid to ask somebody to see. Don't, ask, don't be afraid to see the paper. That's what I say. That, I feel like that was one of my biggest mistakes because I, was, I felt like I was, you know, I, was being tr I was being trustworthy. I was having that trust. Not realizing that because of HIPAA Law and Privacy Act, the doctor couldn't tell me his status. The doctor knew his status. Sitting right there. He couldn't tell me. And so don't be afraid to ask for the paper. Just say, hey, or let, hey, you want to go on a date? Let's go get tested. <laughs> you know, because you never know. A date can lead to a one night stand and that one night stand can lead you get becoming infected. You know, so do that. And what is our personal responsibility as individuals? What is our personal responsibility? How often should we get tested and things like that? Because are you, should you get tested every time you have a new partner or how long does it take to show up on the results is really what I'm asking. So okay. you can, so you can, you know, be right. a, you know, a good human. <laughs> right. <laughs> you know? So the biggest thing is you want to always know your status. You want to know your status. That's number one. Um, so I tell everybody, if you have only one sexual partner, um, get tested every six months. No big deal. If you've been, if like, say, even married couples, you've been with someone over a year, just go and get tested every six months. If you are having multiple partners, you want to get tested when you have a new partner. Before you and that new partner have sex, you want to get tested. If you have multiple part, like, if you have, like, say, your person, um, and you might be sleeping with multiple people, you just want to go and get tested, I say, at least every three to six months. Okay. You know, and when you go and get tested, 
don't, this is what I hate. A lot of people, they'll go and have unprotected sex. And then a week later or two weeks later, they'll go and get tested. That's not how it works. Um, if in fact you get diet, you get infected with HIV virus, it will not show up in your blood work for two to three months. Two to three months. Um, yeah. Okay. I say, you know, eight weeks is that mark, that two, that two month mark. So once that two, two month mark comes, get tested. If your test is negative, they're going to, they're going to, um, tell you, you know, we recommend you come back in another three months to get retested. When you go back in those three months, if you're negative, you're going to be negative. Um, you do have some instances where you might go at that two or three month mark and you're negative. And then when you go back at that three, that, you know, that six month mark, you're positive. That can happen because everybody's body is different. Everybody's body fights infections and viruses differently. Um, that's why it's important to always go for that second time, regardless. Okay. Um, but you know, like say if you got tested prior and you've been negative, you know, if they recommend it, more than likely it's going to be optional and it's going you're going to be negative. So say if you're someone who frequently goes and gets tested every year, you're all negative every time, your sex partner hasn't changed, you know, things like that, you're more than likely going to be negative. So I wouldn't just rush and try to, you know, go like that three month, then a six month mark, just continue to do it every six months or every year. Um, and I tell everybody, kind of do it in the middle of the year. Because then that kind of gives you that, you know, you go in the middle of the year. So then that following year, you're doing it in the middle of the year. Or if you do it in the middle of the year, six months is what, you know, six months is that, what, uh, you know, yeah. December, January. Yeah. Yeah, so it's year. like you're doing it, it's kind of almost like you're doing it twice in one year, but, you know. Yeah. Yeah. No, it's smart because people go out and rush and get plan B's before getting a, a test. Right. Like this doesn't make sense to me. This is so important. And they have it's tests on the shelf. <laughs> they have HIV tests available to purchase. That's what I was going to ask. What is the easiest way to do it in um, purchasing it? Or should they find a clinic? Because I know there's free clinics out there as well that do right. do the testing. So what is, which is the most efficient way to do it? Um, I mean, they're both efficient, okay. you know, of course the one in the store is going to be costly, but I personally, my personal preference would be to go into a clinic only because what if you do buy that home test and that test tells you you're positive, like there's nobody around you to help you at that point. You might just see a positive test result and think you are, I'm about to die. You know, you never are, or you might see it, you know, and say, oh, oh, she did this to me. He did this to me. Oh, they about to die. You know, so you don't, I feel like people should, that's something they should do with someone around that is qualified to help them. One last question before I let you go. Um, if you, even if you're having protective sex, but you're doing oral and you're not using a condom when you are doing oral, um, regardless of whose sexual, you know, organs, if it's a penis or if it's a vagina, okay. Um, you should still get tested, correct? Right, and when you're doing oral sex, you should still also be using protective barriers. So flavor condoms are for women giving men oral sex. You are not supposed to physically have intercourse with a flavor condom or you're gonna be itching. <laughs> um, 
you want to use dental if a, if a guy's going to give you oral sex they have dental dam you could go look you want to be cheap go buy yep. you some saran wrap it feel the same <laughs> i tested it out it feel the same you know what I'm saying? yeah all right ladybird um i'm gonna have to let you go it was a pleasure thank you for telling your story you are honestly amazing for sharing and being that open with us guys love and lust is a podcast about sex and relationships my name is anna lefebvre I will see you next Tuesday. And again, thank you so much. I really appreciate it. You're welcome. Thank you.